So if you're familiar with the church, you know that we like to fight about things. We like to debate and argue. And one of the things that we can tend to debate and argue is about, is about music. And so sometimes we can argue about what kind of music you should even listen to. Uh, sometimes there, there's been times in our past where we've debated whether or not if you play records backwards, you can hear like hidden messages. I mean, that's a little bit of an embarrassing moment in church history, but we have to own it. But more often than not, what we tend to debate is worship style. Like what happens on a Sunday morning and what kind of music should be played? I remember the church that I was a part of in high school through college and finally when I moved away from home, uh, went through this, this transition in their worship style. And so they were beginning to talk through, hey, what does it look like to have a little more contemporary worship style? And the biggest piece of conflict was whether or not we could do drums. The worship leader wanted to introduce drums on Sundays. A large portion of the congregation wasn't ready for that. So what he did is he started this sort of contemporary worship service before the regular service. So if you wanted to praise Jesus with drums, you could show up about an hour earlier and they would do kind of the worship service with drums. Eventually they compromised and bought a pair of, or I don't know if a pair of, but they bought electric drums. Which, if you've ever been in a worship service with electric drums, it's a little bit like worshiping to like classic Nintendo video games, like do 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 do. Strange. <laughs> now, there's there's certainly room to have discussions about worship style, and, and and we should care about what goes on on Sunday mornings, but too often those conversations get reduced to personal preference. Or, or thinking through worship sort of as entertainment. What's going to be the, the best sort of worship that's going to draw people in? And when we do that, we begin to reduce this idea of music and musical worship and the, the purpose that it has for us as a church body. So this week, as Eric mentioned, we're starting a summer series in the book of Psalms. And the Psalms are the hymn book of God's people. The Psalms give shape to and language to the musical worship of God. See, the Psalms instruct us and they're, they're meant to shape both our mind and our affections around true worship of God. And this is be very important. The Psalms are absolutely essential to us as believers because worship defines our lives as the people of God. See, what you worship is going to dictate how you do your job. It's going to dictate how you spend your money. It's going to dictate how you live in relationship and your marriage and your parenting and how you engage the world. Worship is going to shape the entirety of your life. And so if musical worship is an important component of our overall worship and worship defines our life, then musical worship is so much more than entertainment, so much more than just our preferences. You see, God intends musical worship to shape our very souls. He, he intends music to be part of our liturgy so it embeds the life of Christ more deeply into us and we can be conformed in the image of Christ. And so music and musical worship take on an important component of our lives as believers. And so as kind of as a prologue to our study in the book of Psalms, I want to talk about why we sing why music is an important part of our life as believers. Now, if you were part of First City back in the fall of 2017, so about two years ago, we did a, a, a sermon series through liturgy, like why we do what we do on Sunday mornings. And, and I did a sermon on why we sing. So this is a little bit of a modified version of that sermon. But it is good for us to remind ourselves why we do what we do. 
It is good for us to remind ourselves that musical worship is vital to our spiritual formation. So that's what we're going to spend some time reflecting on this morning. Here's what I first want to do. I just want to briefly consider how music forms us and and why music is so important. So music and singing are powerful tools for storytelling. We recognize that music and singing give us a good tool for instruction and teaching in cultures where there was a lower literacy rate or not much access to written materials. Music and song and poetry were used to teach. We, we do that today even. When you learn your ABCs, do you just go A, B, C, D? No. How did you learn your ABCs? Through a song. Some of you who classically educate your kids, you, you teach them the facts by teaching them songs. So music has this ability to help us memorize and learn things. But it goes deeper than that. It's not just a, mess, a matter of memorization. Here's what theologian John Frame says about music. Human speech has a kind of natural music about it. Rhythm, timbre, and pitch play important roles in verbal communication. In one sense, all language is musical. When we enhance that natural music with well-crafted melodies, harmonies, and instruments, our words often take on a new kind of vitality. In particular, poetic musical forms impart vividness and memorability to God's words. So the vividness of music has a particular power. It's meant to embed truth down into our souls and shape us. So it's not just a matter of memorizing facts in the head, but it's about shaping the hearts. And music has this wonderful ability to to grab both our minds and our affections at the same time and begin to shape us. Ever notice how music will haunt you? Music will stick with you. They'll have songs stuck in your head, and, and sometimes you'll start singing those songs, and it'll start affecting your mood. So the past couple of weeks, Mindy's been listening to the Hamilton soundtrack as she's cooking and doing things around the house. And so I've been listening to Hamilton like nonstop for the past couple of weeks. So when I'm waking up in the morning, man, I'm like, not going to throw away my shot. Oh, come on. Really? Just like our country, young, scrappy, and hungry? Oh, you guys, you're killing me. Anyway, <laughs> listening to Hamilton, it's like I'm waking up like, man, I'm ready to go. I, I'm, I'm energized, ready for the day. And so you recognize the way that music can really impact and shape you even long after you've listened to a song or heard lyrics. This is how deep into our souls it goes. I think the most powerful display of this that I've ever seen happened probably about a year and a half ago. So the gospel community we were part of at the time, and I think I've told this story before, we were uh, once a month going and singing at the, the Hillcrest Assisted Living Center, and we would go into the memory unit. So these were folks that have dementia or Alzheimer's. And we go in and just sing, with, sing hymns, just sing some songs. And it was just a fun time. But there was this one time we were in there, and there was a man who, while we were singing, was just in tears. And so his mind was literally gone. Like he was losing his mind. His, his, he couldn't even remember his family. He was having a hard time remembering even like facts about his life. But here he was singing these songs, these truths, and he was in tears. Why? Because that music and that truth had been embedded into his soul. And it didn't matter what was going on here. That truth had shaped him. And he was resonating with that deeply. That is the power of music. That's how music forms us. 
There's also something powerful in music because of the physicality that takes place. From our passage in Psalm 149, let them praise his name with dancing, making melody to him with tambourine and lyre. For the Lord takes pleasure in his people. He adorns the humble with salvation. Let the godly exult in glory. Let them sing for joy on their beds. You read this passage and it's like, man, worship is a workout. Like there is a full bodied experience. It's meant to have a physicality to it. This is what Reggie Kidd says about the effect of physicality in singing. The Psalter, which is the book of Psalms, is full of physicality. Texts are sung, hands are lifted, hands are clapped, knees are bowed, stairs are walked, instruments are played. The words are designed to become part of us, and they do that by our physical contact with them. We're supposed to chew on them, sing them, and play them so they can orient us to who God is and who we are in relation to him. This is why we do things physically in singing, because you understand this, what you do with your body shapes your soul. Like God designed this body-soul connection that what you do with your actions will shape you. So in worship, we're meant to sing with our mouths. We're using our tongues. We hear with our ears. We clap our hands, sometimes not on beat, but we clap our hands. And, and sometimes we, we hold our hands out. This is why sometimes Eric will invite us to do this. Why? Because when you do this with your body, it postures your heart. I'm receiving from the Lord. Or we raise our hands in praise because we want our hearts to exalt Christ. We want our hearts to be shaped in that God is worthy of our worship. So we do these things with our body, not to be showy, not to say, hey, look how spiritual I am. No, we want our hearts shaped in worship. And so it is a full-bodied experience. And when it is a full-bodied experience, when musical worship grabs hold of our very bodies, it shapes our soul in deep and profound ways. This is the power of music. This is the intent of music, to shape us. And so we are being formed. And so a question for us that we always need to be asking is, what song is shaping us? I'm not necessarily saying, are you listening to only Christian music? I'm not saying that at all. I'm asking you, what song is shaping you? What what song do you sing? What is in your soul that is shaping your heart? Isn't it shaping you in love and truth and beauty, and grace, and mercy, and life? Is it shaping you more and more into the image of your creator? Or is it shaping you in selfishness, in pride, and rebellion, and despair? Music is a powerful tool to shape us, and that is why God has given us the Psalms. So how exactly does music shape us? What is God's intent by giving us music? Well, I'm going to look at two categories very briefly. The first is music restories us. And I'm borrowing these categories from James K. Smith. First, restories us. So if you think of the world we live in, digital media and, and just the, the bombardment of news and images and information, look, you're being shaped in a narrative. The, the, our world wants you to have a particular understanding of what is real, what is true, what is good, what is beautiful. It wants you to have a particular identity. It wants you to understand what it, meaning and purpose are. It wants to define all of those things for you. And look, because we're weak and we're sinful, so often we listen to those narratives. So often we let ourselves be defined by what the world wants to hold out for us. 
So often we chase after the identity the world holds out. So often we define our meaning and purpose in life by those narratives that we see. So when we come here, we're being reshaped. We're being reoriented. We're being reminded what is true. And God gives us the Psalms. He gives us musical worship so that we can be restoried, reshaped, reoriented to the fact that God is the sovereign creator, that God has set meaning and purpose for us, that God has defined what is true and what is good and what is beautiful, and that there is this great story of redemption that is taking place, that God has entered into our world to save us. And the Psalms often recount the history of Israel. If you read some of the Psalms, they will, they will sing, literally sing through their history to remind themselves that God has saved them. So just as one example is Psalm 106. When the people of Israel would gather together, they would sing Psalm 106 to remind them who God is, to remind them what is true, and to remind them who they are. So I want to read sections of Psalm 106. I'm going to read. I'm not going to sing because I would clear this room very quickly. But I want, to, I want to read and just hear the way that Israel would shape themselves around who God is and the story that they were a part of. Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise? Both we and our fathers have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We have done wickedness. Our fathers, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wondrous works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled by the sea, at the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry, and he led them through the deep as through a desert. So he saved them from the hand of the foe and redeemed them from the power of the enemy. But they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. They mixed with the nations and learned to do as they did. They served their idols, which became a snare to them. They poured out innocent blood. Thus they became unclean by their acts. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against his people, and he abhorred his heritage. He gave them into the hands of the nations, so that those who hated them ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them, and they were brought into subjection under their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were rebellious in their purpose and were brought low through their iniquity. Nevertheless, he looked upon their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake, he remembered his covenant and relented according to the abundance of his steadfast love. He caused them to be pitied by all those who held them captive. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Here's the story that defined Israel, a sinful people that God had redeemed. And no matter how often they sinned, God kept being faithful to them to redeem them. This is the story that they reminded themselves, hey, this is what we're in. This is what is true. This is what is real. This is who we are. And look, church, Israel's story is our story. Though God is good and glorious and beautiful, we have sinned against him. We have rebelled. We have chased after the idols of money and sex and power and status. We, we, we run after wickedness. We, we use people. Oh, our hearts are full of sin and we deserve God's judgment. But just as God was abounding in steadfast love to Israel, he has been abounding in steadfast love to us through Jesus Christ. See, all those promises to save in the Old Testament 
are fulfilled in Christ. And so through Jesus Christ, God has poured out his love on us. God has saved us. God has called the people from every tribe and tongue and nation and brought them together to be worshipers. God is renewing and restoring us in his image. And here's the beautiful hope for us. Jesus is coming back and he's going to end all evil and suffering. And he's going to fully renew and restore his good creation. This is the story we live in, church. This is what defines our reality. This is who our God is. And this is who we are. This is why we sing. When we sing, whether it be the Psalms or singing songs that have rich theology, we're reminding ourselves of what is true. We're restoring ourselves. We not only restore ourselves, we are also recharacterized. Singing recharacterizes us, meaning it tells us who we are in the story. Singing is a way to reshape our identity around the truth of who we are in Christ and how we are to live. See, singing is a powerful way to sort of characterize your identity. Think of how nations have anthems. And that anthem is sung as a way to shape you as a citizen of a nation. Or those of you that are in the military, each branch of the military has a particular song to shape you as an airman or a soldier or a marine. So we sing songs to shape ourselves in a particular identity and is the same is true for us as believers. And the Psalms are full of different music and lyrics that shape our identity and who we are. So we sing to be formed as those who love God's word and follow it. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. We sing to be formed by, as those who depend upon the Lord in prayer. Psalm 5, Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my groaning. Give attention to the sound of my cry. My King and my God, for do, to you do I pray. O Lord, in the morning you hear my voice. We sing to be those formed as those who confess sin and repent. Psalm 51, for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And we sing to be formed as those who praise and give thanks and celebrate God. Psalm 9 says, I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. I will recount all of your wonderful deeds. I will be glad and exult in you. I will sing praise to your name most high. And we sing songs to be formed as those who lament over brokenness and those who suffer and trust in the Lord. Psalm 10 says this, O Lord, you hear the desire of the afflicted. You will strengthen their heart and you will incline your ear to do justice to the fatherless and the oppressed so that man who is of earth may strike terror no more. We sing to be formed as those who walk in love and goodness and justice. Psalm 101 says, I will sing of steadfast love and justice. To you, O Lord, I will make music. I will ponder the way that is blameless. And we sing as those who are called to proclaim the gospel to our world. Psalm 57, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is great to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Look, do we do all of those things in ways that aren't singing? Yes. But we also do these things musically and in song. What this means is that music is not something entirely different. 
It's another way of doing all of those things that carries a particular power and potency to be embedded into our souls. Because look, sometimes we need to be anchored in truth, but just straightforward teaching doesn't work and it doesn't fit. Think about this. If you go to the hospital and let's say you're visiting a friend that maybe has lost a loved one or is facing a diagnosis of cancer or some other illness, are you going to step into that space and start giving them some treatise on God's providence and suffering? Are you going to start reading them quotes from Calvin's Institutes? Or are you going to sing, it is well with my soul with them? Are you going to sit there and, and, and love them and sing truth over them? Because look, sometimes there is a joy that just mere words cannot capture. And sometimes there's a sorrow that mere words cannot grab a hold of. Music gives voice to deep longings and deep desires in our soul, and it shapes those things in ways that just straight words don't. It's a gift. That is why God has given us music. That is why God has given us the Psalms, so that we can be shaped in our soul. Reggie Kidd, again, he writes, and I think he is on point here, a theology that cannot be preached is not worth having, I once heard a preacher declare. I can't argue with that. Truth that can't be applied isn't worth bothering about. Here's a corollary to the preacher's quip. A theology that cannot be sung is not worth having either. Authentic Christian faith is not merely believed, nor is it merely acted upon. It is sung. With utter joy sometimes, in utter, in uncontrollable tears sometimes, but it is sung. So, so we have a theology we're singing about because we have a God who is great and glorious and powerful and has poured out his blessing on us through Christ. We have a theology worth of the highest praise that fills our soul. And we have a theology that will meet us in the darkest depths and give voice to our deepest pains. We sing because we have a theology we're singing. And so God has given us music to restore us and to recharacterize us. But in conclusion, I want to add one more point to this. We also sing because we have a God who sings. As we read this morning in our call to worship in Zephaniah 3.14, Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your hearts, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgment against you. He has cleared away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall never again fear evil. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Fear not, O Zion. Let not your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. Sing, O people of God, because your God is powerful. He is great and he has saved you. Sing, O people of God, because your God is singing. When we sing, we join the love song God is singing over us. But God as a singing God is most powerfully demonstrated on the cross of Christ. We, we read in the Gospels that when Jesus was on the cross, he was saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Where does he get that? Where is that language from? Psalm 22. On the cross, Jesus is singing he is lamenting. This is what we read in Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Jesus has stepped into the story. Jesus has taken this lament of exile and abandonment, and he has made it his own. You see, when you sing in your lament, Jesus sings with you. Because Jesus sang the greatest blues song ever written. But the story doesn't end there. You see, Psalm 22 ends in triumph. It ends with a celebration of God's rescue and salvation. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. Here's the good news of the gospel. God did not abandon Christ to the grave. He did not leave Jesus in the grave. No, he raised Jesus from the dead. Jesus arose in victory, and now he sings a song in victory. And here's what Hebrews 12 tells us. It says that Jesus now ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of God, sings the praises of God among the brothers. What does that mean? It means that Jesus is singing with those who are in glory and with us. You see, the exalted Jesus is the lead worshiper. He's the lead worship leader. And so what this means is what you and I gather together, we are gathering with all the saints who are in the presence of God worshiping. And Jesus himself is leading our worship. Jesus himself is leading our victory song. There is a great victory party and Jesus is leading the party. And we are a part of that. And so church, what this means for us is that our songs of victory are not wishful thinking. They're real because Jesus right now is singing a song of victory. And so church, sing in victory. Sing in victory because Jesus sings with you. But also sing in your sorrow because Jesus sings with you. Sing when you are troubled because Jesus sings with you. Sing when you are facing temptation and trial because Jesus sings with you. Sing in joy because Jesus sings with you. A theology that that you cannot sing is not worth a grain of salt, right? But praise God, we have a theology that is worth singing. Praise God that we have a God who leads us in song. Praise God that we have a God who has given us this gift because he wants to shape us. He wants to form us. Praise God that through music and through worship, we can be conformed to the image of Christ and that we can take this song to the world so that we can invite others in to be a part of this victory party. Amen?